This episode is brought to you by Zappos DevShop One. DevShop One provides custom web development solutions for Zappos and now for you as well. For more information on how DevShop One can elevate your web presence, email devshop at zappos.com. Just about every day, I walk past a building east of campus on Stewart Avenue. It's a building that's not remarkable, really, in most ways. It's a few stories high, kind of a light, earthy, orange color, no windows. It's a building that's shaped kind of like a shoebox. But there's a mural painted on the long, rectangular, street-facing flank of this building. It is a lifelike picture of an armored, horned reptile, a creature covered from head to tail with spikes and scales. And I've stopped to look at this mural dozens of times. It's big, about 60 to 70 feet long, maybe 15 feet high. The animal seems to be crouching, and it has that blank, vaguely fierce expression which reptiles seem to always have. But the detail that grabs you most, the detail that makes you stop and really look, is the fact that there is a stream of bright red blood squirting from the lizard's eyelid. I had read somewhere about this reptilian wonder, and it's not a fantastic dinosaur or some imaginary creature out of Harry Potter. It is a real kind of lizard that actually squirts blood from its eye as a defense mechanism. But that was all I knew. So I tracked down the guy who probably understands these animals better than anyone else on Earth. My name is Wade Sherbrooke. Wade Sherbrooke is a field biologist who lives in Tucson, Arizona, and he's been studying these critters for more than 40 years. Horned lizard or horny toad, some people still call them. Uh, They're reptiles, not amphibians. I sent him a photo of the mural. It's a nice picture that captures an animal that's very distinctive in its looks. They have flat bodies. They have an array of horns on the back of their head that protrude out from the skull. And um, what about that blood squirting? They can squirt blood maybe six feet, eight feet, quite a distance. Which you have to admit, for an animal that is just a few inches long, is pretty amazing. They squirt blood out of a blood sinus that's around the edges of their eye cavity when they're excited by certain events. And I've learned over the years that these events come from being exposed to certain kinds of predators. After decades of studying horned lizards, Wade Sherbrooke figured out that they tend to squirt blood at just a few animals that eat them, namely foxes, coyotes, and bobcats, and only when those animals are close enough to have their mouths open. Because these predators react negatively, as it turns out, to the taste of the lizard's blood. The blood squirting is kind of the last moment defense when you've been discovered The coyote's right there in front of you, and it's just opening its mouth to put it around your head, and you squirt blood into its mouth. Wade Sherbrooke has spent countless hours observing horned lizards in the wild, concealed behind a blind where the lizards can't see him. And when these animals are not in danger, he has seen a completely different set of behaviors. When there's not a threat, I can watch them mate with each other, do all kinds of 
head-bobbing communication with each other. If there's any threat, they're no longer looking for mates. They're no longer looking for food. They will not interact. Now, we are talking about these reptiles at the beginning of today's episode because of their similarities to people. Sure, there are many ways that we are not at all like these lizards. We don't have spikes, we don't have scaly armor, we don't have the blood-squirting instincts. But like the horned lizard, we do behave differently when we feel safe versus when we feel threatened. This is a tricky comparison to make, and I want to be careful here. We really don't know what the horned lizards think or feel because, you know, lizards don't talk. Trying to understand what's going on in the mind of this lizard is difficult. But the behaviors certainly are comparable, and there's something very similar going on in its mind when it's threatened as is going on in our mind when we're threatened. And the change in behaviors are what tell us that. Well, greetings, all of you slightly weird, intently humble, change-driven, service-oriented, standard bearers of Zaponian culture. Adam Francis here with another edition of the Zappos podcast. And today we are exploring that line between trust and fear in team dynamics. It's a line that's often invisible and one we navigate instinctively and sometimes even unconsciously. One minute, we can be laughing and joking with a group of friends, but when the situation changes, if the context becomes less safe, our defenses go up and our behavior becomes fundamentally different. On today's episode, the first in a two-part series, we meet a team that has achieved a high level of trust, and we find out how one small ritual helped reinforce that trust. That's coming up. Stay with us. One of the ongoing themes of this podcast is bringing new ideas to life. Stories about the different ways we go about doing that creative work and the breakthroughs and challenges we encounter along the way. And on one level or another, every team is coming up with new ideas. They can be tiny incremental changes to make the work you do easier or better. But a few months ago, I came across a team within customer loyalty at Zappos whose reason of being is to bring new ideas to life. Hi, is this Victoria? That's Chelsea Easton, who is making a call from her desk on the seventh floor. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Chelsea is one of the hundreds of warm, friendly people who work here. All right, perfect. How's everything going? How was yesterday after we spoke? And if you were to just catch a snippet of the conversation, you might think it was a typical follow-up call with a Zappos shopper. So you said that you were going to be doing your long run that day. Um, how, how far are you going to be going? But Chelsea is actually making calls to runners, joggers who have signed up to get daily training encouragement from Zappos over a four-week period. It's a project called Run on Ones. And on this call, Chelsea is following up with a woman named Victoria who had a difficult race the past weekend, a race where she didn't make it to the finish line. Um, just remember, you know, to drink your water, obviously. I know that when we talked about the clothing yesterday that that wasn't even an issue, so I'm hoping there's no overheating issues this time. <laughs> 
but we're super proud of you and we know that you're going to do great. So, you know, just take it, you know, step by step and then, you know, listen to your body while you're running. Okay. It's the second year the company has offered this opportunity to runners. This year, the project found a corporate sponsor, about 150 runners signed up. And because the calls are daily, Chelsea and her teammates get to know the participants really well. Their personalities, their goals, breakthroughs, and their struggles. Even with seasoned runners, I think that they, you know, come into those roadblocks where, you know, they see it's like 20 degrees outside and it's snowing and they're like, no, I just, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. So it's really just removing that mental roadblock and making sure that you can push yourself to do it. So you're, you're like a, you're like a helpful motivator. (laughs) You could say that, I guess. That's really cool that you said that. Um, Thank you. (laughs) I wasn't trying to be complimentary. I was just saying like, that's what you're doing, right? Like you're showing up every day and saying, hey, did you stick with it? Yes. I would say that one of the biggest things that allows us to build that report with people is continuously reaching out to them and, you know, building those relationships, right? So um, for Victoria, for example, she did have that setback where she wasn't able to, to finish the race. And so she may not have told me that information and been so vulnerable with me if I hadn't already spoken with her in the past. So I really feel like it's, you know, continuing to talk to these people over and over and over again that helps build that trust. Chelsea is one of 13 people who are part of NASA Services, a team focused on testing and piloting new customer service ideas. And this is a team that is often working in unfamiliar territory. NASA stands for not another shitty acronym. You know, just in case you thought it might be connected to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. And that's Lauren Pappert. She's the lead link of NASA services. We are approached with new ideas that we have the opportunity to test. Some that may be one month long. Some that may be four months long. Some maybe that we don't know if there is an end date. Our work is constantly changing. And so... I constantly think, all right, we have this new change coming up. How do we get people excited? How do we support people in this? When we love our work, when we aspire to be really good at it, some of us carry problems around, turning them over in our heads, considering them from different angles, and trying to come up with solutions. And Lauren does this because of the frequent changes in projects that her team juggles from week to week, and because she cares about how her teammates feel, she is often preoccupied with making the group dynamic better. I think fretting is my nature, and so that doesn't stop at the Zappos doors when I walk out at the end of the night. So last summer, Lauren was fretting about some changes that were coming to NASA services. A few members had left and the team was expanding, which meant that very soon there would be six new members and six veterans. And Lauren was concerned that the experience and habits of the veteran members might squash the insights and ideas of the newbies. Anyone new coming in is going to have a perceived ignorance, that you don't know the way. And I was worried that ideas presented by newer team members would not be taken as positive. One night specifically, I was laying in bed 
not able to sleep thinking, oh my gosh, we have training starting next week. How can we make sure that the new team members feel connected, feel comfortable bringing forth ideas, feel part of this whole? Lauren thought that team decisions might be a place where a sense of equality could be reinforced, specifically when the group voted on process changes. I wanted a way that people could share their vote, say yes or no, yay or nay, without fear of influence, without worrying, what if everyone says no and I say yes? And we've all been in situations like this, in which there can be a kind of group conformity. And Lauren had come to believe that when team members feel comfortable disagreeing, when they can talk openly about conflicts, this is a sign of team health. It sounds counterintuitive, but that is something that I really gauge the success of the team around. Are people bringing forth these ideas that may not be universally held within the team? So that night, laying in bed, Lauren started searching around the internet and pulling together some ideas. I found this thumbs up, thumbs down system where you, on the count of three, say one, two, three, vote, and it's either yes, thumbs up, no, thumbs down. She liked the idea of everyone voting at once, and sure, she could have just asked her teammates to hold out their hands and do a blind thumbs up, thumbs down vote. But where's the fun in that? There is no fun in just holding out your hand and doing gladiator style. Is this person going down or not? I found these silly little paddles meant for elementary school. It has on one side a thumbs up, on the other side a thumbs down. So the day came for the first meeting of the new team, and Lauren passed out these things, which are the size of ping pong paddles, and the team voted on something. There were lots of laughs, like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Levity is a great thing, because that means it's not intimidating. That means this silly little green and red paddle is something that doesn't cause fear. (laughs) Several weeks ago, I attended a NASA services tactical meeting, and it was pretty obvious that this is a group of people who enjoy one another's company. There was laughter, frank conversations between teammates, inclusive dialogue. And there were moments where it felt like a meeting of the Mutual Admiration Society, especially when the group elected a new tactical meeting facilitator. Dakota, welcome back. You voted for Devin? Yeah, I think he (laughs) deserves a role like this. He's uh, very intelligent. All right, and Chelsea, you voted for Brad. It's just the accent. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, I I love having fun in these meetings. And whenever I speak to Brad, it's just always light and airy, but we still get the job done. So I think you'd be great at it. And Brandy, you voted for yourself. And tell us why. Um, I voted for myself. (laughs) Uh, Because I'm trying to learn and grow and um, something that I'm not too comfortable with is putting myself out there. So I thought I would do it. it. All right, so. And yes, the voting paddles made an appearance. 
Uh, with your paddles, if you believe that we should have a process to send peer-to-peer -peer feedback, please, on the count of three, do thumbs up. If not, please do thumbs down. Again, this should be a vote from your, like, your inner self, what you're feeling. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Cool. Sometimes little breakthroughs can have an outsized effect. In the daily work of NASA services, the voting paddles are a small ritual. But for Lauren, they did work their magic at a time when the team could have become stratified between those with more experience and those with less. I think the voting paddles brought a sense of engagement to the team. Naturally, some people are gonna be talking louder or more than others in a, in a meeting space. And what the paddle does, it puts everyone on the same playing field. They have a say in the processes at hand. And I think ultimately what we as humans want is to feel like we are contributing. We want to feel like we can make a mark on something, but we also want our opinions to be valued and to be heard. And I would argue that that is what well-being is. Well-being in a team dynamic is people feeling engaged in the process. There are many, many theories and approaches to cultivating well-being at the team level. But we often think about the emotional landscape of team dynamics as separate from what it takes to get work done. Well, a recent study at Google found that the most highly productive, strongest teams have something that doesn't relate to a diversity of skills or professional accomplishments or whether or not teammates socialize outside of the office. According to this study, the single most important factor in highly productive teams is that they have something called psychological safety. And on next week's episode, we talked to the woman who first recognized and identified psychological safety 20 years ago. I mean, we've all been there. You know, you've had friend groups in grade school or high school or workplaces where you absolutely feel this is a place where I can let down my guard, or this is a place where I cannot. So coming up next week, Amy Edmondson tells us why psychological safety is so intertwined with productivity and innovation. And she offers some tips on what we can do to have more of it on our teams. Well, that's it for today's episode. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Angel Sugg, Gene Markell, Jamie Naughton, Krista Foley, Dan Habel, Tyler Williams, Philip So, and Tony Shea. Special thanks this week to Lauren Pappert, Chelsea Easton, and the entire NASA services team, and also to Wade Sherbrooke for his incisive thoughts on horned lizards. Our theme music was written and produced by Philip So and myself. Additional music for this episode written and produced by yours truly. And I am Adam Francis. Stay tuned next week for another edition of the Zappos Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Zappos DevShop One. DevShop One develops technology solutions for both Zappos and external businesses. For more information on how Zappos DevShop One can assist you in your business, email us at devshop at zappos.com.